3: there's something wrong. It's wrong with the instructor. This ain't reality TV. Respect it and it. Remember that's what you told me. It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next best picture podcast. It's time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the next best picture podcast. What a week we have to talk about with you, and here to help me do it, I have Will Mavity.
0: Hey, guys. It's good to be back on the main show, too. I've been in Australia for a month, if you didn't notice.
3: Yeah, your presence was definitely missed here on the show. We're very, very happy to have you back. We also have with us Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And Michael Schwartz. Hello, quite the night. Absolutely, absolutely. We're recording this right after the SAG Awards. However, before we get into all of the comings and goings of the award season, I want to take this moment right now to pay tribute to a couple of different people that we unfortunately lost this week, um... On January 25th, unfortunately, we discovered uh, the news of uh, Mary Tyler Moore had passed away at the age of 80. And then, not only then, two days later, John Hurt at the age of 77. And then, right after that, Emmanuel Riva at the age of 89. So, is there anything that anybody would like to say in tribute to these legendary? amazing actors that we lost this weekend.
0: I really really wish that Emmanuel riva had taken home that Oscar in 2012, particularly because I think Lawrence would have won anyways. It would have in a year or so. It would have been such a wonderful kind of cap to her career had she won from more.
1: Agreed. Yeah, she was uh, the best performance of 2012 as far as I'm concerned. And I love Jennifer Lawrence and Silver Linings, but uh you know, Riva is just on another level. Uh, I was very upset about, about Mary Tyler Moore. I love the Mary Tyler Moore show. I loved her and Ordinary People and the Dick Van Dyke show. Just a tremendous actress who had a lot of range. And I know she's beloved. There's not much more I need to say about her. You can look at my uh, obituary on the website. But yeah, just a wonderful actress. And if you've never seen the Mary Tyler Moore show, I suggest you stream them or find some DVD copy because it is just tremendous.
3: Kristen,
2: I have, I have little connection to all three of them, so I this one didn't hurt as much as Debbie Reynolds or Carrie Fisher' past past deaths. I, it's it's sad. I just – I don't lack the – I lack the personal connection.
3: It's all good. It's all good. There has been a lot of lack of personal connection uh, politically this week as well. And that definitely seemed to bleed very much into our uh, award season discussion this week, especially as we had the SAG Awards uh, this evening. But before we get to that, I know I keep on building up to it and pulling away. There were other things that did happen this week. We had the ACE Eddie Awards uh, winners announced. Comedy winner was La La Land, which was unsurprising. Drama, however, went a different route and went towards Arrival, not Moonlight, like many of us had predicted, myself included. Uh, what, what are we to make of that uh, there? Um, d- does it seem like Arrival has positioned itself as the number two to La La Land for the Oscar?
0: I think if there is a upset in editing, it will still probably be Moonlight. Simply because we sometimes see this happen, where the ACE winner in one category uh, lo- uh, isn't a front runner. Or so- I'm thinking back to 2011 when The Descendants won over The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo at the Aces, and then ultimately we all thought the artist would win the editing Oscar. It didn't, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo took it. I still think. In this case, the more beloved film, which is easily Moonlight, is going to end up uh, being our number two. But it's all a moot point, because La La Land has very showy editing, and it's easily going to win. I just don't see a rival taking any major Oscars over one of the big films in contention for Best Picture.
3: Yeah, other than possibly, possibly... An outside chance for one of the sound categories, but I think Arrival does go empty-handed on Oscar night as well. However, uh, that was very interesting to see which film would also win against La La Land there. Uh, We also had in the same week the PGA, which... Was a very, very big deal. It's always typically a very, 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 very big precursor towards Best Picture. Although there have been a couple times down recent years where um, it hasn't gone exactly as we had thought. Last year's winner was the Big Short, which really threw everybody for a loop. And then we had that tie with Gravity and 12 Years a Slave. However, the PGA has typically predicted the Best Picture winner, um, especially when people thought it was going to go another route you know a social network or boyhood you know they end up going for the king speech or birdman here people are saying it's going to be la la land and sure enough it was la la land now a lot of us have predicted that la la land is the type of film that will win more than 50 percent of the vote on a first round do you guys think that that is exactly what is probably happening here
0: yeah, it's, it's a movie that the preferential ballot is perfect for because it's going to get a crap ton of passion votes. Despite the backlash that's on film Twitter, it's very unlikely that the majority of industry people who don't hang out on Twitter and read these little think pieces we write actually dislike the film like certain, have, certain people have on Twitter. And so honestly, they're just going to come out. It's going to get a lot of passion votes. And on top of that, it's going to get a lot of twos and threes and probably very few number nines. And let's not forget, this is the most accurate the PGA will have ever been in predicting how people will vote on a preferential ballot because it's the first time that all of the Best Picture nominees, since we expanded past five nominees, all of them have been PGA nominees. So it's they're not competing with any other factors at play. There's no Beast of the Southern Wild that snuck in here to maybe throw things off. You know, this is... This is it. So this is this is not a revenant. Very few people, at least in the industry, from what we can tell, hate the film. It's it's not divisive. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, as a result, it's
3: really now at this point come to a moment where I must bow my head, and I need to show some humility, and admit that the race is most likely over. The only way that the race is not truly over is in a crash-like upset, which even that, you just can't predict it will happen. You, You can't. So realistically, if you want to have a really, really good Oscar scorecard, your best bet is to probably not pick Ryan Gosling, an actor, Uh, Not pick La La Land to have a tie in song. And you're probably going to have the best score of any of your friends come Oscar uh, evening at this point. I mean, the race is signed, sealed, and delivered as far as I'm concerned when it comes to Best Picture and Best Director especially. Does anybody have anything that they want to add to that in regards to Best Picture now after La La Land won the PGA?
2: I'm assuming that I'm going to have to hear for another couple of weeks about how it's better than Titanic and All About Eve. And I'm going to have to say you're... Not from us.
1: Not from that Not I don't know who's saying that. I mean, I adore La La Land. It's my favorite film of 2016. But All About Eve is on a different level. Titanic is on a different level. These are all great films. We don't need to be saying one is as good as the other just because it has the same number of nominations. It's just how plays out in branches. It doesn't make that defining statement. So,
3: Well, I, that's the way it is for nominations. But for wins, though, it's the entire Academy, though, Michael. Yeah,
1: but you also look at years. I mean, it's honoring the best film of the year, not the best film of all time.
0: I think what people are concerned about, though, is that... We could argue that if it's gonna not only win Best Picture, but it's gonna, again, set another record, which is either tie the all-time win record or break the win record and end up taking 12 Oscars, then it becomes historical. It gets cited in Oscar history whenever people talk about great films, historic films, like they talk about Titanic, like they talk about Lord of the Rings, like they talk about Ben Hur. And... You could argue that, you know, I think Matt and I were talking about this the other day. If you look at Titanic or you look at Return of the King, most of their wins, you can't find a film that, or a category, you can say that really wasn't deserved. The production design in at least Lord of the Rings, and Titanic, and the costume design, in score, most people would cite as some of the best ever. And you're going to look at La La Land and... I, at least I would say that a number of its categories, if it takes sound editing, God forbid, there's probably 15 films this year with better sound editing than that. Costumes are very good. I can think of several with better costume design. You know, and it's going to be historic. People are going to look at it as the barometer for most Oscar success ever. And it feels frustrating maybe when not all of those categories to give it that, be it the year or not, feel like it really sets some kind of standard in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just all perspective on how you choose to look at the Oscars. What it means to you in terms of the quality of a film. I'm someone who always looks at it from a more uh, PR angle in terms of like how the race is played, not so much what it sends in terms of what's a good film. So, I mean, I guess it's just up to the viewer to decide.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, definitely on the side of Will here in terms of where La La Land will stand within its place in history. Uh, you're 100% right, Will. I don't really feel good about the idea of looking back and saying, oh, you know, the, the film that won the most Oscars ever was La La Land, and it's like years from now, like 25, 30 years from now. I'm sure La La Land will still be a film that's replayed, watched over and over again by people, but I highly doubt it would go down as one of the greatest films of all time. And I'm not even saying that something like Titanic necessarily is, but that argument of when you look at the wins that it got in its respective year of return to King Titanic, uh, Ben Hur, you're right. When you look at the competition, um you know, it deserved to win all the awards that it did. La La Land this year is going to win some awards that it doesn't deserve. And I hate to say this, but another one of the big ones is uh, Damien Chazelle probably going to win original screenplay. And that's one that I still can't wrap my head around. Now, Michael, you're still predicting uh, Kenneth Lonergan, is that correct?
1: Yeah, we've seen this a lot lately where uh, writer-directors who are nominated at in uh, either both categories or sometimes just in screenplay like we saw with spike jones a couple years ago they end up using the screenplay category to reward the film itself so lonergan is a really respected playwright and he's a previous nominee for you can count on me so having him here in a best picture nominee i think it's the word of your screenplay that might uh, give it some goodwill but even if la la land does win as part of a sweep I mean, it's a very witty screenplay. It's funny. It's well-written. its uh, I think it uh, would be a nice winner, too. It's a, pretty much a toss-up at this point, but I think they may give Lonergan the edge just as a way to reward the film.
0: Let's look at Best Picture winners with screenplay, though. I'm, I'm going back in my head, and you don't really see these splits between writer and directors resulting in the Best Picture winner losing a screenplay award unless you're talking about The Artist, which was a silent film. Because, I mean, I'm thinking Spotlight, one screenplay, Birdman, one screenplay, 12 Years a Slave, one screenplay, Argo, one screenplay, King's Speech, one screenplay, Hurt Locker, Slumdog, uh, No Country for Old Men, Departed, like, Crash. I mean, it it keeps going.
1: I know the stats are in its favor, and that makes perfect sense. There's no reason why people should say it won't. I'm just thinking from a different perspective and saying, you know what, people... I don't agree with it, but there are people who say that La La Land's screenplay is weak, and I guess they're entitled to think that. But when you put the two of them up together, I just wonder how the Academy is going to vote.
3: Well, here's what I'll say in regards to that. You have to also ask yourself this question. Do they want Manchester by the sea to go home empty handed on Oscar night? They typically do like to spread the wealth and give at least um, films that are representative for that year or films that they love at least one award, generally speaking. And maybe, you know what, listen, maybe that isn't a way it actually works out. Um But that does seem to be the way that it works out. So whether it's by chance or not, it it does seem like every year um, a Best Picture nominee gets something. Now, there's definitely going to be some that are going to be left out this year. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge could possibly not win any. Lion, Manchester, as I was saying before. But... You know, with with uh, Casey Affleck possibly losing Best Actor, which we'll go into in a couple of minutes here, um, and also Manchester by the Sea uh, possibly losing Screenplay, can you all see Manchester really walking away empty-handed on Oscar night?
0: Yeah, just like American Hustle and True Grit did, despite clearly a lot of love within the Academy, at the end of the day, if it is inconvenient for a film they really like and are going to throw a lot of weight behind to lose a category... I think it is, let me just say, I think it's very, very possible for a film they clearly like, like Manchester, to still go home empty-handed. It could easily happen. And yes, it kind of surprised the Lucas Hedges nom, but inversely, it also surprised and missed an editing nom. So it's not exactly beloved within the Academy. I mean, it could have performed better.
3: Kristen, what's your take on all of this? Uh, you know, do you think that Manchester is going to go home empty-handed on Oscar night?
2: It wouldn't surprise me if it does. <laughs> I, you, you, all know how I feel about the movie, so I wouldn't be upset about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. But what about also um, this idea between Chazelle and Lonergan for screenplay? I mean, let me ask you this: if you had a ballot right now, what would you pick?
2: Oh God, between the two, or just in general? Let's
3: pretend it's between the two, because quite honestly, it is between the two. I mean, otherwise, I guess there's a world somewhere where Taylor Sheridan maybe wins for Hell or High Water, but that world is literally beyond our solar system. So let's say between Lonergan and Chazelle, if you had to pick one of the two.
2: As much as it would pain me, I'd have to go Manchester because I think that script is better written, better prose than, than what La La Land has. So
3: that's the interesting part there. It's going to come down to a matter of, do people recognize that Manchester by the Sea is the better written screenplay, or are they going to just check off La La Land in every single category? Like, I really feel that this is one of those years um, where it's, like slum, it's almost like a Slumdog Millionaire situation where they just check it off in every single category.
2: That's not surprising, I think, especially as we get down to people who haven't had time to revisit the movies or just need to get it out or just going to go off of what they know, so...
0: I think, when in doubt, fall back on 2012. You know, Lincoln had a stellar screenplay and was predicted to be the front runner for much of the year until the ultimate Best Picture winner really started asserting itself in the form of Argo. You know, a lot of people thought Lincoln could still take screenplay, but ultimately, most would argue that Lincoln is a better written screenplay. It's a work of art by a Prize winning playwright and was extremely acclaimed. But at the end of the day, people liked Argo more. Argo wasn't entirely a script movie. It was more of a director's movie, I think you could argue. You know, it didn't matter.
1: Well, you know what? That's actually a really good comparison, Will. That's really, really good. Because you think of Lincoln, that is again, I mentioned that Manchester was wordy. Lincoln is as wordy as it gets. It's from Tony Kushner, again, as respected as they get. And it loses to Argo, which great screenplay, got nothing against it, but it's uh, definitely the lesser of the two.
3: And you know what decided that factor? um, Ultimately, Lincoln won Critics' Choice, same as how Manchester won a Critics' Choice, albeit it did tie La La Land. But Argo ended up winning the WGA and the USC Scripter Award. Now, I know that the USC Scripter Award is for Adapted Works, so that will not uh, factor in here necessarily, but I think whatever wins WGA takes the Oscar. If um, Lonergan wins there, I'm pretty confident he takes the whole thing.
0: What if Moonlight wins the original WGA? Where do we stand then? Oh, my God. Why would you have to... Oh, man, Will, damn you. (coughs) Because it's still competing Uh, in original there.
3: And I uh, think there's a decent
1: chance
3: I'd go towards BAFTA
1: at that point. And is Moonlight nominated at BAFTA? Uh,
3: Moonlight is nominated at BAFTA. It's not nominated in any tech categories, if I recall.
1: But it's in for screenplay there, right? Yes, it's in for screenplay. uh, In original, correct? It's in
3: screenplay in, I believe, Adaptive. It
1: is in at BAFTA... Or original screenplay moonlight manchester lala heller Highwater, and i daniel blake so they're
3: all competing against each other at bafta i mean at that point oh my god that's yeah i, I would say if lonerkin still manages to take it at bafta if none of them take it and it goes to like i daniel blake or something then i just completely throw my hands up in the air at that point
1: which is entirely possible at bafta
3: oh yeah definitely So, I mean, screenplay is going to be one of the trickier uh, ones to call, but I'm telling you right now, and I've been saying it over and over and over again, never in the history, ever, in Golden Globes, ever since they first started, has the Best Picture Oscar winner, if it won screenplay at the Golden Globes, it never
1: lost screenplay at the Oscars. I hear you. I just don't know that Academy members look at the stats the way that we do.
3: No, 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 no. I and I and I understand that, but recognize that Damien Chazelle got up on stage and won an award for screenplay for his film. So if people are having trouble deciding, maybe that's something that sticks out in their mind, you know. And it's like it's just oh yeah, didn't Damien Chazelle win screenplay? Uh, let me I'll mark that one down.
0: Yeah, and, and we are also predicting. The voters to just go all in straight down the ballot pretty much for La La Land. That's a big award. I don't know why they would just stop there if they're caught up in this La La Land fever that apparently voters are. I mean, Will, you
3: you were joking with me a bit, but you even said to me, uh, I'm going to have La La Land win literally everything. I'm going to have a Thai song. Can we have a write in for John Legend and supporting actor? <laughs> like, it's getting to a point now where it's not a matter of will La La Land win Best Picture or not. It's it's a done deal. The question now is how many do you expect it to win? I was originally predicting 10. I have now since changed uh, my predictions to 11. I think it's going to win 11 Oscars at this point, which kind of pains me uh, to a certain degree. But I know some people that are still predicting Ryan Gosling, which is crazy to me. But For
1: the Oscar?
0: Yeah. Yeah, if he was going to do that, he would have done Sag tonight. I think that I think that's dead. Which is a great segue by the way. Let's talk about Sag where
3: we also have some reader questions that I want us all to get a chance to answer. So the Sag Awards were held this evening as we alluded to before and the winners have been presented. Um, General thoughts on the evening before we go into the uh, winners, anything that stood out to anybody, speeches, moments, things of that nature?
1: Well, obviously, the timing of the show itself, uh, we're coming off of just an absolutely tragic weekend in terms of President Trump's executive order to uh, ban Muslims from entering the country, so that played into speeches a lot tonight. You had Julia Louis Dreyfus, Mahershala Ali, uh, countless others too, just taking a stand against this uh, evil executive action and saying what needs to be said on a national platform. So that was very nice. Uh, but politics aside, there was one speech I really did speak or stand out in a big way, and that was Viola Davis's acceptance speech. She didn't go anywhere political, but she still managed to make a point by thanking August Wilson, the playwright for writing plays that were just about the everyman coming from the black experience. Nothing out of the ordinary, but something that everybody in these uh, you know suburban communities uh, will experience in their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very beautiful. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Um, really quick, I'm just going to do a rundown of television categories here. Best Ensemble in a Drama Series went to Stranger Things. Best Male Actor in a Drama Series went to John Lithgow for The Crown. Uh, best female actor in a drama series went to Claire Foy for the Crown. Best Ensemble in a comedy series, Orange is the New Black. Best male actor in a comedy series, William H. Macy for Shameless. Best female actor in a comedy series, Julia Louise Dreyfus for VEEP.
1: So deserved.
3: Best male actor in a TV, movie, or series, Brian Cranston in All the Way. And best female actor in a TV movie or series, Sarah Paulson in *The People vs. O.J. Simpson: American Crime Story*. First question I want to uh, pose to the group here. This one comes from K. Bailey Java Two, otherwise known as Mr. Sloan on Twitter. Should SAG extend an hour and add ensemble, mini-movie, TV series, and supporting television actor categories?
1: Well, yeah, I think they might be good categories to have. It's a little silly that you don't have an ensemble in a mini-movie if you have it for drama and comedy. I don't even know that you needed an extra hour for that. That could maybe be another 10, 15 minutes. Even, that seems a little generous, but... Yeah, why not have those categories?
2: I don't I don't know if we necessarily... I, I'm not a TV person, so I have no dog in that fight, but I think adding more categories always opens up the question of what if it's a bad year? What if we don't have enough? We're just going to be kind of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks, so...
1: Well, I mean, if you're already honoring dramas and comedies, why not have that if you are honoring the actors in their own individual awards?
2: But if we're doing mini... Movies, whatever the hell that is, um, wouldn't that be? Couldn't that just be subdivided into drama, comedy as well? Because it's all TV. No,
1: but it's all grown so much lately that it would have to be like twenty nominees to even begin to scratch the surface there.
2: Again, I have no, I don't watch enough TV to make make a proper case for it. but Yeah, like.
3: well, here's here's my take on it. I, I did find it a little odd where my own brain said to me at one point well, when are they doing Best Ensemble for a miniseries or a television movie? And then I realized, oh, wait a minute, they don't have a category for that, which I found to be stupid. And then next thing you know, when they're doing um, best, uh, best Actor in a Drama Series and – I'm seeing John Lithgow pop up for The Crown, and I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, he's a supporting performance. Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones, that's supporting. Why are they mixed in with the lead actors? And it's just I, – I do think it's a little odd that they do that because if they do that for television, they should do it for film then, I say. And they should just mix the best uh, leading actors and actresses with the supporting performances in one category. So – Bottom line is that Michael's right. Television has made uh, lots of leaps over the last couple of years, and it's truly become uh, transcendent in many ways now where um, more and more people are going to the movies less and less and they're watching more and more television. And with television becoming more and more cinematic, it's just natural that they should just be on equal ground, I say.
1: And as for the timing before we move on, I just want to say – SAG always does a fantastic show every year. They keep it at two hours. They keep it nice and tight. Never feels like they're doing anything ridiculous or over the top. It's just a very well-produced show, and I've always admired that about them.
3: Yeah, Golden Globes is a little bit more trashy. Critics' choice, it's like we don't really know what the hell they're trying to do each year, it seems like.
1: Yeah, and even as someone who loves the bombast of the Oscars and these crazy musicals and the montages that they do, that's its own thing. That should stay at the Oscars. Don't try to replicate that. Yeah. So I admire SAG for just coming in, giving out the awards, a lifetime achievement, and calling it a night.
3: The In Memoriam, by the way, uh, it, it hit me so hard watching it, uh, seeing people like Anton Yelkin, Carrie Fisher, and Debbie Reynolds again. I, I just... Uh, I lost it at one point. I was completely overwhelmed with emotion during the uh, In Memoriam segment. Totally killed me.
1: Just a rough, rough year.
3: Absolutely. Uh, Let's get over to some of the film winners here now, along with some more reader questions. So, best actor in a supporting role, Mahershala Ali wins for Moonlight. Is it signed, sealed, and delivered for Mahershala Ali?
0: Yeah, any doubt that people had about him being able to win because it's an uncharacteristically quiet performance needs to be extinguished as of tonight. If he can take SAG, he can take the Oscar, and it is wholeheartedly deserved. I missed his speech, but what from what I've heard, it was a stellar, touching speech, which only makes him more likable. Yes, I think three out of the four acting categories are sewn up after tonight.
1: He knows how to hit on the zeitgeist, too. He talked about his own Muslim heritage, and how he, or how he had converted, and uh, told his mother about it, and how she came to accept him—it was a beautiful moment. And if he keeps giving that type of speech when he goes to BAFTA, assuming he wins there, and just over the next month when he does his interviews things like that, yeah, he has this signed and sealed, as Will said.
3: What do you think, Christine You think it's all uh, set up for Mahershali?
2: I think at this point, yes. <laughs> Again, I haven't seen the movie, so I, I can't comment. But I think Why
3: have you not seen the movie yet? Cuz it's not
2: playing here.
3: Where is that screener? A24, um, A24 sent Christmas. A24 did not
2: send a screener, so I don't have it.
3: A24, if you're listening to this right now and if you work for A24, you said Christina screener, god damn it. Send it to her.
2: I mean, I, I guess going off of past precedents then yes. I, I my money's on him. It's going on my ballot for my party, so.
3: Well. Ah, anyways. Rant over about that and Thank you, Kristen, for your input. <laughs> All right, so now let's move over to Best Supporting Actress, Viola Davis for Fences. Not much really needs to be said here. Am I right? This is it, yep. essentially.
1: Pretty much. This has been locked for months. There was never a doubt, but I will say, I think if they had kept her in the lead, she could have won there, too, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I
3: think so, too. And let me tell you, it would have it would have definitely freed up a, a win for even Naomi Harris or Michelle Williams, which I would have been totally okay with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it before, I think she's the lead of the movie, but hey, a win for Viola Davis is a win for Viola Davis.
0: Yeah, but it would have been so historic, and particularly if Denzel, who we'll get to in a minute, is going to take Best Actor, having both lead actor and that lead actress be people of color, again, would be... So cool, particularly if they both came from the same movie. And last time that happened, Denzel won. Won, yeah, in 2001. So
3: that's a very, very good comparison there. That's a very good point. That could definitely happen. Which leads me to uh, the leading actor categories now. Denzel Washington took Best Actor for... Fences over Casey Affleck as Washington had never won a SAG before. I'm sure that this definitely played in some voters' minds and word got around. I'm sure also word got around about Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Uh, well, rather, um, his... Not, not Nothing about him in Manchester by the Sea, but more so his... Um,
1: the allegations his, about him. Yeah,
3: the allegations and uh, the settlement that was involved and, you know, he can't talk about it and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Well, what what and, we're really saying is they knew about it six years ago. Now they just began to care. Well,
3: because now he's in the awards conversation.
1: Exactly. I wouldn't assume everyone knew about it six years ago. This story just came to the forefront for a lot of people in November.
0: I don't think people really talked about had talked about Casey Affleck much between what 2010 and this past year's Sundance.
3: He just not even 2010, 2007, since like assassinated Jesse James. I mean, no,
0: I think when the, Joaquin Phoenix had his whole uh, meltdown and Casey Affleck was going to document his life. Oh wow! Oh, oh. Yeah, and that was that was, well, that was 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's when the that's the set when these allegations happened. Or so. You know, but six years still is a long time. I think people knew, but I, for one, had not thought about Casey Affleck much in the five years in between there. I just kind of wondered what happened to him. So I think people maybe they knew and they didn't care, but like I hadn't heard. It's also a very tough thing because he can't talk about
3: it. So no journalist in an interview is going to ask him about it because there's no point. So it's something that doesn't get brought up in the conversation because he's not being directly asked about it in the news or by the media. Um, I'm sure within circles of Hollywood, there are people that know about it. And as a result, I think we saw a bit of that tonight. But let's also remember this part of it, too. There are a lot of pundits out there. Sasha Stone is one of them uh, on AwardsDaily.com who has maintained and has said that she believes Denzel Washington gives maybe the best performance of his career, and definitely the best leading uh, actor performance of the year. It's a showier role. And I really believe it does come down to preference of whether you think Affleck gives the better performance or Washington. They're two very different performances. So a win for Washington, when you factor all those things together, it makes sense. And it's not like it's an upset or anything like that. We all expected that this was going to happen. When Affleck won the Globe, we were all shocked.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm actually pissed at myself after sticking with Denzel as the front runner for months that I finally, it, after the Globe, shifted to Casey Affleck. Because I should have known this is coming. This is... Uh, Redmayne over Keaton all over again. We were just discussing off-air today that Redmayne had won two awards prior to winning Best Actor. That was New York Critics Online and um, the Women Film Critics Circle prior to winning SAG. But it's the showier performance. We shouldn't have bet against that. I can't think of any Best Actor winning performance this century that is as quiet and restrained as casey affleck's and we said that would keep him from winning even before his allegations resurfaced for months
1: when you look at the denzel win tonight i mean you could chalk it up to whatever you want but at the end of the day it was the power of the performance i think that is one of the greatest pieces of acting i've ever seen it's like marlon brando and on the waterfront level as far as i'm concerned he is just he sucks all the air out of the room. In that performance, intentionally so And he is the movie for the most part So when people all across the country It's not just the industry here It's like your local weatherman Could vote for SAG if he wants to Anyone who is a member of AFTRA Is grouped in there So people all across the country See Denzel, see this huge performance And are just so taken aback by it I think that's what uh, led him to victory here
3: I think so, too. If you put the two next to each other and you show it to the common man or woman, they're going to choose Denzel because that is quote-unquote acting. What Casey Affleck is doing, I think only serious actors um, understand what he's doing there. But like the common person, I, I definitely don't think they could tell the difference.
1: And I think this is a huge for the best actor race leading up to the Oscars. You know, I think Casey still has some sort of a shot. But if Denzel gets out and works that circuit, charms everyone like he's known to do, you know, this bodes really, really well for him.
2: And
0: I think that's a big factor, too. Um, Even outside of, uh, you know, his allegations, Denzel – Casey Affleck, if, you know, his speech at the Globes is kind of awkward and uncomfortable – um, whereas Denzel charms the pants off everybody, you know, he's, he's an incredibly charming, accessible person. And, and the at the end exploded of the day, tonight. yeah, people really, really like Denzel Washington. And it has been a while since he won an Oscar. So you kind of could feel like he's overdue. And on top of that, you know, like, Fences wasn't as acclaimed as maybe some people hoped it would be, but it's still very impressive that he produced, starred in, and directed this piece. And on some level, it's all this award would also be an award for all that. Yeah.
2: Either way, we're all we're all just waiting to see more Brie Larson facial expressions. That's what I was waiting for. So. <laughs>
3: I mean, when she opened up the envelope and she took a little bit of a pause tonight before reading the uh, name, I thought to myself, oh, my God, please let it be Affleck just so that I can <laughs> rub this in Kristen's face. If on the
2: anything, show. yeah, I was just going to be all she should just go balls out and throw it on the ground, and make him pick it up and then walk away. Um, so, yeah, can we please stop <laughs> making poor Brie Larson do the best actor for this year? I mean, seriously. Seriously. Hey, if she
1: didn't want to, she shouldn't have won the Oscar last year. <sighs> yeah. Uh, once mean, again. Saoirse Ronan should have won something
2: Once again, year. we blame the woman. <sighs> got it. Got yeah, it.
3: I am going to blame her. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, Kristen, but you do realize that the previous year's winners always award this
1: year's winners, right?
2: I um, I did not go stupid. So, yes, I am aware all of
1: right, this. All so right. All right. DiCaprio and hanging out probably with supermodels somewhere tonight.
3: <laughs> or hanging out with Casey Affleck tonight. Oh. nah. No. In any event, moving on to uh, the next category here. This is for Best Actress. We asked um, our readers in a poll right before the awards today. Uh, We had over 100 votes in, uh, which I was very, very happy about. Thank you, everybody that voted. And Emma Stone did have the lead. She had 53% of the vote while uh, Natalie Portman was behind uh, with the rest of the vote there. So it was very, very close between the two. Very, very close. Uh, You could say it definitely was neck and neck, and Natalie definitely has her supporters out there. I'm throwing my hand up. I'm one of them. I think she gave the best female leading performance of the year. I, I do throw Viola in supporting, just throwing that out there. Because um, I think what Natalie Portman did is kind of like what Denzel Washington does in Fences, where you could see the performance. You it, it's a transformative performance that really is a showstopper. Where Emma Stone, she's charming, she's she's likable, she sings, she dances. It's an okay performance. It's not bad and it's not mediocre. It's good, but it's not something that would be considered like an all time great. So that's why Natalie has her um, support. Out there that are really, really trying to push her through, and it did not happen. Emma Stone managed to still uh, sneak it out for La La Land. Now, do we think that this is um, a combination of Emma Stone just being young, hip, like the cool girl, and also in probably the most loved Best Picture uh, front runner of all time? Like, what do we make of it, essentially?
2: It's the ingenue or it's the older actress who has proven her worth. Time and again, it's what we see. She's the Jennifer Lawrence. She's the down-to-earth, not, sexually non-threatening, but still you want to have sex with her type of... She's the ingenue. It's it's no different than Jennifer Lawrence. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising that she's going to win.
3: It's, it's like Brie Larson last year in that regard.
2: Exactly. Although I would say Brie Larson's performance is better.
3: I think so, too. Uh, Michael, Will? Yeah, the ingenue.
0: Yeah, and she happens to also be in the Best Picture frontrunner. Compound that with the fact that Natalie Portman, who I agree is my personal favorite leading female performance of the year, won fairly recently still in a film that apparently is divisive within among Academy voters. Yeah, I mean, everything is working in Stone's favor.
3: So is there anybody that thinks that Natalie still has a shot or do you do you are you committed 100 percent to Emma Stone? Like is
1: anybody gonna change their vote? No. Not to Natalie. If I'm changing it to anyone, it might be Isabel Uper but that is such that's a unlikely. Because that's such a divisive film. Right. I mean I'm like 99.99% sure. And, and
0: let's be let's be clear. When we're talking SAG Yes, you have the occasional upset, but once SAG happens, most often you've got your winner. I'm looking, you know, since in the 21 years we've had SAG Awards... You've only had four Best Actor SAG winners not win the Oscar. You've only had four Best Actress SAG winners not win the Oscar. And among the actors, you know, almost all of those were prior to win SAG and the Oscars really started matching up. You know, it's once you get SAG, you're pretty likely, unless it's a weird case like Idris Elba last year, you pretty much have it in the bag.
3: Hmm. I, I, I do agree with you to a certain extent. Um, I say this because Tommy Lee Jones won SAG for Lincoln. Um,
0: when Kristoff hadn't been seen by SAG to even be nominated. I mean, there was an easy uh, explanation for that. They, they, didn't, didn't get, they, a, they didn't That's a good point. Yeah, they didn't see the film at all.
1: That was weird in general because Tommy Lee Jones, as we all know, is uh, not the friendliest of people. He wasn't even at SAG when he won, so he didn't even get to give a speech. And then I don't think he was really working the room either. So if he had like been there to give a speech and been like, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, doing all that stuff throughout February, I think he might have stood a chance. But Kristoff, you know how he is. He's a lot more personable. I think that has a lot to do with it. So the last time
3: I can remember a SAG winner, uh, you know, obviously winning and and I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, this person is going to win the Oscar and then didn't. The one that comes to my mind immediately is Viola Davis in The Help back in 2011, where she lost out to a Golden Globe-Bafta combo uh, victory for Meryl Streep. Now, are there any other recent examples that anyone else can think of before I uh, move on?
1: Well, I mean, the thing with Streep was she didn't just lose – or Davis didn't just lose to the Golden Globe and Bafta. She lost to an aggressive Harvey Weinstein – Campaign playing up. It's been 27 years.
0: And on top of that, The Help, despite being a Best Picture nominee, underperformed a nomination morning. It didn't get any texts, you know, like people were expecting it to maybe get in for song or costumes. So clearly it wasn't as beloved overall. She was going up against Meryl Streep, of all people, who can do no wrong with the Academy, and year after year had this overdue narrative. Um, Emma Stone, on the other hand, is in the Best Picture frontrunner, uh, is not up against someone who's particularly overdue for an Oscar, at least by public perception. I mean, and she's not up against Harvey Weinstein at his peak. You're right.
3: All right. Well, then I, I think from all of us then, I think we all have to mark it down and say we are all have Emma Stone in our predictions for Best Actress now. We ain't changing that prediction, no matter what.
1: And I got to say, I'm happy about that. I, I'm actually glad that it's not Natalie Portman. I don't think well, she's very on. good Well, hold on.
3: Let me just add a little disclaimer to that really quickly. Even if Natalie Portman wins BAFTA, are we all going to still keep Emma? Yes. Yeah. Yep. There you go. That's it. People, mark it down on your ballots right now. Emma Stone, Best Actress. That is signed, sealed, and delivered as well now after SAG Tonight. Basically, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm killing the next three weeks of conversation right now, clearly. <laughs> We're going to have to get very, very creative with some of our uh,
1: talking points over the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to create a fantasy race either. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, we do have more guilds. You know, there are some below-the-line ones worth considering. Uh, the visual effects race we think is going to the Jungle Book, but we have the Visual Effects Society next weekend. And let's say Rogue One sweeps the Visual Effects Society or, and Kubo will probably win every animated category there. You can talk about that this a race. I think the techs are where this race continues to be interesting because, as you said early in the show, it's not a question of is La La Land winning Best Picture, but it's a question of just how much else is it going to win? And that is up in the air. Is it going to win sound editing, for example? I mean, that's, who knows? Costume design is pretty likely, but it's not locked up. So that's where we turn now.
3: Yeah. And that leaves us with one more award for SAG. And that was for Best Ensemble. And I want to just preface by saying, before I revealed who the winner was, that Moonlight, as we discussed earlier, is probably not going to win the WGA. Moonlight did not win the ACE. And spoiler alert moonlight did not win the sag ensemble so any dreams and hopes i had before today of moonlight possibly positioning itself as a challenge against la la land is officially over in my opinion as hidden figures shocked everybody and took best ensemble at the sag awards this evening Yay! Yes, I knew you were going to be ecstatic, Kristen. I mean, the room popped when the winner was announced. It was it was quite something. Question, though, from uh, one of our dear readers over here. This is from Ryan McDormand on Twitter. He is asking. So we all know that La La Land is number one for picture, but hypothetically, which position is Hidden Figures now
1: in? I would say in the top five, even though it didn't get in for director and missed a some of the texts and songs, I think if they really push it and it has that importance element to it, it's very relevant right now. I think it's somewhere within the five, even though I'm not predicting it to really win anything.
0: I think it's probably four or five. It doesn't have the momentum that it doesn't have the long term, I guess, build that a moonlight has had. And despite not winning tonight, I think moonlight probably has a more passionate fan base Um, Yeah, and we're also, we need to factor in that right now, there's still another month until the Oscars. You know, Chris Tapley had talked about a few weeks ago that Hidden Figures is an example of a film that was distributed brilliantly because, as he put it, it probably doesn't fare being left out in the sun too long. But if you release it late in the game and let it get its momentum at the right time it can do very, very well. I think we're seeing Hidden Figures at the peak of its momentum right after it's opened and made a killing at the box office. It's new, it's fresh, it's not a face we saw throughout the award season, Um, but it may not necessarily withstand another four weeks of this, simply because it's an inspiring film, but maybe some would argue it's not as complex a film as something like Moonlight. So... I think it's probably—I might, after tonight, and the fact that Manchester by the Sea lost editing, might put it as three, probably still going to put it as four or five and where I think it stands.
3: A uh, question from Josh Parham, um, otherwise known as Jr. Parham on Twitter. Can hidden figures or fences now factor into best adapted screenplay for the win? So this would be over Moonlight and Best Adapted Screenplay. Could Hidden Figures or Fences upset?
0: Yes. of uh, I mean, yes, they could. Either could. Uh, they would... All three wins would go to a person of color, which is... Or no, I guess Hidden Figures wouldn't, uh, but that is at least still a timely film and the other two would go to person of color. August Wilson has the overdue narrative, certainly, or not the over narrative, the posthumous narrative, but I don't see it happening. I think Moonlight has to get at least a couple things for how strong it's been this season. Kristen, uh, Michael?
1: I think Moonlight still
0: has it. Okay. So, Kristen, anything's
3: possible?
2: Anything's possible. I mean, I don't see it happening, but stranger things have happened.
3: <laughs> <laughs> stranger things, pun. P-p-p-p-p-p- Anyway, I thought
0: that Matt, but I wasn't gonna say
3: it. You know, I'll I'll, I'll say anything when it's a when it's a really bad pun. Um, by the way, that speech tonight um, was incredible. <laughs> he he was turning purple and shaking. Winona Ryder looked like she was. Oh my god! I'm just like I can't wait to rewatch that speech. I really can't. Um, okay, and then one more question from the readers here. <laughs> This is from Stephen M. Keller, a hipster pop geek, uh, who is a very, very loyal uh, listener and uh, reader on the website. I just read what happened at SAG, and I was immediately wondering how you thought that changed things. La La Land now wins Best Picture? Why, yes, Stephen. I do think it wins Best Picture. I think it emphatically wins Best Picture at this point. You know why? Because even though it's not nominated for SAG Ensemble, the only film that could possibly take it down in Best Picture, a.k.a. Moonlight, did not win Best Ensemble. And yes, I know that no film has won uh, Best Picture without the SAG Ensemble Award since Braveheart back in 1995, but this is La La Land. Get with the picture here, people. This is probably going to be the biggest freaking thing since sliced bread. Seriously. Really. It, it is at this point. It's becoming a cultural phenomenon. It's still making a killing at the box office as we speak. It's about to hit 100 million.
0: Uh, I think it already did as of today. Yep. It, it was at like 107 million when I checked.
3: So Damien Giselle's is going to win the DGA. Uh, it's going to sweep the BAFTAs. It's going to get the ASC. It's going to get the ASC. I mean, listen, I uh, cinematography is the one thing that I'm like, give, give it that award. And the cinematography in that movie is gorgeous. I love it. But, hey, you know what? Listen, there's a lot of people that love this film. I really like the film. I don't love it but then again i still need to see it for a second time that second viewing could definitely make me in that love it category oh, i thought
1: you've seen it multiple
3: times i've seen it once bruh.
1: oh wow okay yeah well let me tell you it took me until the third viewing to like fall head over heels for it
3: I don't know if any film should be able to do that to me. No, though. I mean like, I like
1: I like really liked it, then I loved it, then I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gaga for this now."
3: Yeah, I, no film in the history of my life has ever done that to me where I've been kind of lukewarm on it, but I liked it. And then I've watched it a second time and I liked it more and more. I I, I mean, listen, I, I only feel like that happens with uh, age. You know, you go back and rewatch films years later and you bring different life experiences to it. And it, it, it impacts you a little bit differently. But seeing a film like this three times uh, in the span of just a couple of weeks, I would not expect myself to like it more. I don't I don't think I don't think films work that way for me. So but I mean, listen, Kristen, I know you left the film, obviously, right?
2: I like it. I mean, I don't, I don't love it. I the second time actually proved I didn't like it as much as I thought I did.
0: And will you like it? Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I think it's a, it's a well-made film. It's I, I like it.
3: Yeah. So Michael and Mike uh, Vermette uh, are in the camp of love it. Very very happy with it. Winning possibly anything at it will. It's a Michael thing. <laughs> clearly at this point, clearly.
0: Yeah, so I guess there are a few bits of news, though. I think it's worth noting that since the Oscar nominations announced, we did have our final guild announce its nominations. That was the Motion Picture Sound Editors. And they only nominated La La Land in one category out of many, many categories. They have... For sound editing, which again raises my question, if the sound editors in the Guild didn't really go for it, then who did to get it that sound editing Oscar nomination? Also, if we were hoping for Oscar potential for the American remake of the French film Intouchables, which will be starring Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart, we can probably put those dreams to rest it has landed a director Neil Berger who is best known for directing Divergent and uh, it is also worth noting in th- in it's also worth noting after a very sad death in the form of John Hurt that we have not seen his last screen performances. It is possible that he will be showing us some final performances that could maintain, traction this year, including one called This Night, uh, The Good Night, about a screenwriter dying of cancer, trying to put his affairs in orders, uh, and he is also in Win- uh, the Winston Churchill film, The Darkest Hour, and finally, we have a Sundance film written by the great James Ivory, Call Me By Your Name, who James Ivory, if you don't know, directed A Room With A View, Howard's End, and Remains of the Day, and could easily spin an overdue narrative for next year. Also, Netflix just acquired the Sundance breakout hit Mudbound, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Many think that could potentially be a huge Oscar contender for next year, but Netflix has not had the best track record with getting films Oscar nominations, so it'll be interesting to see if they can spin that around and do kind of what Amazon did this year with Manchester by the Sea.
3: You know, uh, I really definitely want to have a guest on that attended Sundance this year to talk about uh, some of the films which they saw to give us a little bit of a sneak preview, I guess you could say, of what we can expect all throughout 2017 here. Will, uh, as far as what's on the horizon, what else do we have coming up now over the next couple of days or so in awards?
0: Uh, We have the Annies, the ASC, and the DGA next weekend or early the beginning of next week. We also have... Yeah, everything next weekend is the Annie's, the DGA, the American Society of Cinematographers, and the middle of the week, the Visual Effects Society.
3: So... We got a lot coming up in the tech world, essentially. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I expect Kubo and the two strings to kind of clean house at the Annie Awards, uh, because clearly it's a technical achievement. I mean, it did get the best visual effects, uh, nomination at the Oscars.
0: But ultimately we'll miss animated film overall to Zootopia. Yeah.
3: Yep. That's true. That's true. And rightfully so. I love Zootopia. Love it. Alrighty. That'll just about do it here for this week. There's a lot of, uh, very interesting stuff to still talk about. I, I, I'm going to just keep saying that over and over. There's a lot of interesting stuff to still talk about, uh, considering that uh, this season is pretty much locked and loaded for the next couple of weeks as we know it. Uh want to just point out one last thing. Don't get your hopes up with BAFTA when Casey Affleck wins Best Actor there, possibly, for Manchester by the Sea, because Denzel Washington is not nominated.
1: Never has been.
3: Never has been. Yeah, that's... um.
1: Yeah, that's a little disconcerting.
3: Dis- 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 I mean that's a so, hmm yeah, I don't know how I don't know how to take that, but either way, it, it seems like our acting categories are pretty much locked, directors locked, picture is locked. and so we gotta we gotta just press on, we gotta just press on. Kristen Lopez.: Yes. Any final thoughts before we get out of here?:
2: Not that I can think of.:
3: All right, but can you fake to tell us where they can find you on Twitter?
2: I am on Twitter at journeys underscore film. How about you, Michael Schwartz? Can you think to tell us where
3: you are on Twitter?
1: I can more than think where to tell you. I will tell you right now. I am at Mike movie on Twitter. Uh, Come find me and read whatever I have to say about Oscars.
3: That was not a, uh, that was not a request. That was a demand people. All right. And Will Mavity, where can they find you on Twitter?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Mavericks Movies, and you
3: can find me at Next Best Picture. Guys, thank you so much for recording this uh, track with me uh, right after the SAG Awards. And dear listeners, thank you so much for listening. You can subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. I would love to personally shout you out here on the show. We really, really appreciate all of your support. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all next time.
0: I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy.